from Relevant Magazine and RelevantMagazine.com, it's The Relevant Podcast. The radio sings a patriot song. It's the devil that you know. Julia, Julia, Julia. It's the week of Friday, October 22nd, 2010, and this is The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studios is the very lovely Maya Strang. Hey, y'all. To her immediate <laughs> left is back in black after, I don't know, I, Ryan Ham. Kind of navy back. blue, actually. Yeah. Hey, y'all. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, behind the wall of glass on the ones and twos, our illustrious producer, Chad Michael Snavely. Hello, friends. And on the Skype line, all the way from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. We have a great podcast lined up for you today. Uh, we have coming up a live in-studio performance uh, by Windsor Drive. Windsor Drive coming up. And then we have an interview later on with Gabe Lyons, the author of the new book, The Next Christians. It's actually um, something that we talk about in the next issue of Relevant, but we figured we'd give you a sneak peek here on the podcast. So there you go. Stay tuned for that. Uh, but at first, let's look at our entertainment releases. Music coming out on Tuesday, October 26th. War Paint is coming out with The Fool. It's going to be a great album. We saw them this summer live. It was awesome. Uh, Taylor Swift is also coming out with an album called Speak Now. Finally. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, movies coming out on Friday, October 29th. Uh, Saw 3D. Oh. <laughs> uh, wait, aren't they up to like Saw 7 it's or se- 8? This is 7. It's supposed to be the last one. There have, this is 7, honestly. Yeah. I feel like they came out like two years ago. <laughs> yeah, They've been working. I remember when the first one came out. I Actually, that's the only one I've seen because I was in uh, Hollywood Video, which tells you how long ago it was. <laughs> and um, they had Don't they have a beta section? <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those like, if we don't have it in stock, it's free. And so I was in the store. I was like, huh, they don't have Saw. I was like, yeah, I'll give that a whirl. So I took, I was like, you guys don't have Saw in stock. <laughs> they were like, well, here's your coupon. So I rented it and immediately regretted it. It's yeah, people so. like you that put them out of business. He <laughs> <laughs> just walked around looking for the ones that were gone. Wow. Yeah. yeah Ryan is single-handedly responsible for ruining the business model of Hollywood video. I actually may be inadvertently responsible for Blockbuster's demise because... Um, when I was in college, because I used to burn them down. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, when I was in college, I was an arsonist. (laughs) (laughs) Just, yeah, it was just a hobby. Um, no, they had this deal in college. It was like pre the, like it was before Netflix really took off. Right. Um, so Blockbuster had this deal where it was, um, the introductory rate was $15 a month and you got two videos at a time and that you could go get. So my roommate and I joined it. And it was unlimited. So we decided... Unlimited in-store rentals, yeah, but two at a time through the mail. Yeah, exactly. Right. No, 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 you, no. No mail. You, it was just oh. in-store rentals. So oh, it was gotcha. $15, uh, two movies at a time, unlimited rentals. Okay. So we we kept track. And before I say how many we rented, I should point out that like I actually got the best grades of college during the semester. Okay. So I wasn't completely sloughing off. But we kept track of every movie we rented. Uh, we rented 34 movies in 30 days. Wow. wow. And... Um, then they discontinued the program. <laughs> <laughs> so. Hey, which one was it where they had to wear those ridiculous vests? I mean, which video store? No, yeah, yeah. Was that Hollywood Video? I don't think I, so. I don't remember. I don't remember a vest. There was a video store around here where they had to wear a vest, right? And, and maybe a listener will will know the answer to this. But it, it wasn't just a normal vest; it was like a dress dressy vest and there may and it was like purple or something and instead of polka dots it was like slates like movie slates like oh, take no. two and i think there yeah, may I've... even have been a cummerbund involved <laughs> i'm not sure but it was a classy video store other movies coming out wild target starring oh, emily blunt and bill nighy uh shake hands with the devil starring roy i don't know oh, thank you uh, elkman anybody man no oh, i'm sorry I think it's Eichmann. Eichmann? Oh, like like Adolf Eichmann? E-E-I-C-H-M-A-N-N. 
Yeah, like he's the Nazi doctor who did terrible experiments. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, let's go watch that. And then uh, Welcome to the Rileys, starring Melissa Leo, James Gandolfini, Kristen Stewart. I've seen the previews for that one. Mm-hmm. Isn't that the one where he like moves to New Orleans? Yeah, it's like an indie film. Yeah, and, yeah. And Kristen Stewart's like a stripper, and he tries to redeem her, and, and then his wife shows up, yeah. and it's. I have no idea. So it's a real, it's a real upper weekend. Yeah, you have horror or a very odd indie flick. There you go. Yeah, it's, it's a feel good weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Spend a lot of time on relevantmagazine.com. Um, okay, well that do it for your entertainment releases. Up next, slices. The Relevant Podcast is brought to you by Steel Roots Gimme Shelter. Check out the live stream of the concert featuring Down Here, The Wrecking, and Philmont with guest speaker Brian Sumner on October 23rd at steelroots.com slash live. You're listening to Jars of Clay. The song is We Will Follow, uh, playing right now on Relevant.fm. Tune in. Uh, at the beginning of the podcast, you heard Wolf Parade with Yulia, uh, which is playing on Relevant.fm, and the video is on Relevant.tv. Check it out. Okay, it's time for Slices. What do you have, Jesse? All right. Well, this slice combines two of my favorite topics, uh, squirrels and <laughs> amazing journalism. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I want to read uh, uh, just the beginning to this article. It's fall, and the eternal debate over squirrels rages anew. Are they nature's court gestures, providing hours hours of harmless laughs? Are they nature's terrorists, <laughs> hassling suburbanites and threatening America's infrastructure? <laughs> Are they dinner? Oh. <laughs> History will decide. <laughs> this this is, like- is, I, I know what you're thinking. Oh, that's from The Onion. Yeah. No, this is from Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. This is from a newspaper uh, in San Antonio covering, uh, once again, the ironic uh, coindes- coinciding uh, ho- big events there, Squirrel Awareness Month. Wow. Uh, but it's also opening of squirrel hunting season in East Texas. Wow. Uh, these these two uh, monumental events in Texas. But basically, this is like... This is the kickoff of the holiday season for people in Texas. Uh, it's not only Squirrel Awareness Month, but it's also squirrel hunting season. Um, and it's it's a big debate. Uh, and it's also very ironic because a lot of state-sponsored hunting programs are aimed at things like, um, you know, habitat control or, or, or have some sort of uh, wildlife um, benefit to them. You know, like, like I, I know here in the South... You know, you, you don't want deer to be overpopulated or they will go hungry. So they put a spin on or I'm sure they're, they have alligator hunting in Florida for population control purposes. Mm-hmm. Well, in Texas, uh, there isn't a population problem. And this is a purely recreational hunting season. <laughs> that is what? so weird. Uh, squirrels. That's right. So uh, there was <laughs> I, I, there was. Um, uh, one other great line from this article. Feverish hunters wait all year for their chance to light up the woods with gunfire. <laughs> so, uh, Are you for so, this, Jesse? Are you against this? Being a fan um, of squirrels? I tend to lead uh, uh, with the article's lead. I think they, I don't know, because I think it is a paradox. I think the squirrel is a paradox. Because on one hand, the article is right. They are nature's gestures, court gestures. They do provide hours of harmless laughs. But they are also nature's terrorists. So, um, you know, I think we need, I think we do need a month to be aware of them. (laughs) But I am not completely against uh, hunters in Texas doing what they have to do to light up the woodland. I like I got to say like I feel like if you were someone whose passionate cause was breast cancer awareness you would be really upset that the squirrels are infringing on your territory mm-hmm. like October's <laughs> supposed to be all about breast cancer awareness and right. suddenly it's these squirrels Texas. come along you know they I thought it was funny that they would then that they were asking like are or are they terrorists I mean like they have a little bit of different terrorism <laughs> thoughts than people who live in New York 
Yeah, I, yeah, it, it's it's a, a very insensitive way to characterize a squirrel. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. Like, I, I know they're just trying to make a point, but you think you could have done it in in a way that was a slightly more politically correct than calling them terrorists. <laughs> I can live with that kind of terrorism. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. If if I had to choose between uh, squirrel terrorism and uh, Al Qaeda terrorism, you know, squirrel yeah, terrorism squirrel. and squirrel ones. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Ryan, what do you have? All right. Um, now, uh, I have to say, it's been like two months since you've been on. So yeah, this is a two months in the incubator slice. <laughs> well, I have I have two. Okay. If you want, yeah. All so right. I can. Um, well, first of all, I like to keep listeners abreast of the goings-ons of, or the going-ons, goings-on, anyway, uh, of all early 90s pop culture figures. Correct. Yes. Um, so, uh, as I suspect many of us are, I was a big fan of movies such as She's All That and Scream back in the day. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, wait, he wasn't Scream. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's, just, that's just a side. Yeah, note. that's just a side. Note. Um, he rented it from Blockbuster. Be, yeah. I stole that one. <laughs> you'll be pleased to know that Freddie Prince Jr. is back in the news. Is he really? Yeah, uh, really? and he appar- Ma- apparently male he, prostitute. <laughs> Sarah Michelle Geller would be so sad. <laughs> um, Freddie Prince Jr. was in I Know What You Did Last Summer. That's what I was Correct. thinking. Of. So anyway, so he's back in the news. Apparently, he was uh, had a guest star and like one of the CSIs or something last year, which I didn't even know. As Corpse. <laughs> he was he was also in 24. Yeah, I was going to say, he oh, was in that's 24. Right. That was, that's what it was, yeah. He, so he was on 24. But now he As has... As Corpse. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that gets exploded. As dead squirrel terrorist. <laughs> <laughs> he um, was killed by a squirrel terrorist. Exactly. <laughs> a victim of squirrel terrorism. <laughs> I just love that Jack, the idea of Jack Bauer holding a gun. Where are they? <laughs> and they're everywhere. Yeah. And they exactly. swarm him. And that's how it is. You, you know what's funny on. about that is that there are people in Texas doing that right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so uh, because 24 ended, um, apparently um, Freddie Prince Jr. wasn't getting too many more offers. So he decided to turn his talents to the World Wrestling Entertainment Organization, <laughs> the WWE. He's no. going to be a director and producer of professional wrestling. Oh, okay, so he's not <laughs> guest starring. No, he's not, no. Okay. But apparently, I didn't know this. Apparently, pre his twenty four guest arc, he was a storyline writer for WWE. What? Yeah. So like all the crazy stuff that happens, apparently he was writing. Well, how hard could what? that writing? Job I don't know. Be? But it's it would... like I'm gonna have this guy come out into the ring, yell a bunch of stuff, and fight this guy. But wouldn't that be like that would as a writer like that would have to be one of the most fun things to write because you could come <laughs> up with anything and people would like and people would love it. So the the lesson of this story is he did not invest his money well. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently so. Well, and the best was the article. The article says specifically it was like. Prince Jr., who's a huge wrestling fan, like, <laughs> who in their 30s is a huge wrestling fan? <laughs> People in Texas that hunt squirrels. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to get some email about that. Maybe so, yeah. There you go. Maya, what do you have? Um, I found a list of the top, since you know I like sports so much, Right. Um, the top eight most baffling sports from around the world. Okay. And some of them are pretty crazy. So I just thought I'd list a few and see if you guys had any... Opinions. Squirrel wrestling. Squirrel wrestling. Quidditch. Um, number eight, shin kicking. <laughs> and it, this takes place in England. It's they. Uh, it's real. <laughs> they have the British shin kicking championship game. Um, and the images here show old people doing it. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> so, it never ends well. I yeah. mean, is it like is it like MMA level people like snapping the shin in half basically <laughs> by kicking it so hard? Uh, you get the best of three. It makes you a winner. Three um, kicks. Yeah. How do you and judge it? It seems yeah. like for really good kicker so it only take one yeah and it also seems like this is a sport surely for the amusement of young people <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's all old people they show doing it um another one is boss wait, wait when you say old people you mean like the elderly or one of them is elderly yes yeah like he has a cane <laughs> in his hand maybe that's what he uses to hit the shins yeah i was gonna say if you if Whack. you're a competitive maybe. shin kicker i'm sure you have a cane <laughs> he literally has a cane in his hand <laughs> no well actually he's probably using it for support so he can really get a good swing with the leg yeah, yeah. 
Uh, another one uh, is Baza Ball, which is AKA trampoline volleyball, which actually looks pretty sweet. Um, it's popular over in Belgium, Brazil, Germany, Spain. Um, let's see. Another one is freestyle walking, <laughs> which is, they say, is skateboarding without a skateboard. Oh, it's it's like parkour sort of. Well, like yeah, but he, they're like going down ramp, like stairways and stuff like you would see. It's just minus the skateboard. They're just on their feet. It's and they, they slide? Yeah. Oh, it's not. Okay, so they don't run. Or whatever down the ramp. They, yeah, they, they slide, slide like when they would slide down the. And it's a competitive sport where they have yeah. like com- competitions. Yeah. Wow. It's weird. Um, number five, ferret. Tom leg. Cruise does very well in it, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> just sliding in his socks. Oh. <laughs> uh, I thought you were re- referencing the couch jumping no. because that's sort of freestyle well, walking yeah. as well. <laughs> <laughs> See, throughout his career, he's yeah, he can yeah. pretend he has he's a incorporated his skill. <laughs> I want to see trampoline shin kicking. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that'd be better because there'd be a degree of difficulty with yeah. aiming. Yes. Yeah, and you're not. Yeah, you might you might kick someone in the face. Plus, the slow motion shots of that would be the greatest thing ever. <laughs> well, but if you get a good hit, that person's not coming back down on the trampoline. Yeah, exactly. You've moved their trajectory. Well, and you could you, and you could time explosions to go off when they meet in the air. <laughs> you could get Freddie Perez Jr. to write storylines. <laughs> trust me, he'd be down. <laughs> he needs to work. <laughs> Apparently. Okay, then this next one is terrifying. They do this in Yorkshire, England. It's ferret legging, and it, it basically it's you stuff ferrets down your pants. What? <laughs> yes. They, well, how's this a sport? Describe the, the what's people the rules get in here? a setting and they they um. Okay, so they say here you um, sure that's not so you're shirt you're shirtless, and your trousers are secured tightly around your ankles. There's a fellow in front of you holding two ferrets. Um, <laughs> then, uh, then the fellow with the ferrets gives you a nod. You pull your trousers out, and he throws the ferrets in, <laughs> pulling your belt tight afterwards. That's basically the idea. It says. Is this? A- uh, they basically you just want to keep them down there, and whoever do does it win? the longest. Or, or I'm guessing in a sport like this, everyone loses. Yeah. Is this a male or female sport? Uh, male. Uh, well, trousers the are men. Pitchers are all of men. Yeah. Why would you well, say I, I well, get it. The good news is at least those men won't have kids. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's Natural the dumbest selection. thing I've ever seen in so, my life. So how is it scored? Is it just... <laughs> it, I, it like, looks how do you like tap you, out? Like, <laughs> I, mean, I guess you open up your pants, <laughs> your belt. <laughs> the computer keeps going. Maybe they're tearaways. Yes. <laughs> you know, never mind. I was gonna say it also. What if? What if they combine that with the shin kicking? Oh. Yeah, it says uh, it says when the person can't take it anymore, they whip their trousers down, freeing the ferrets. Wow! And so basically, the last person standing with ferrets in your pants is the winner. <laughs> that sounds like our last Christmas party. Yeah, I know. That's fun. Um, the next one is called Dwill Flocking. Dwiddle flocking. Um, basically, it's it's beer rag tossing. People stand in a circle, uh, holding hands, and in the middle is a guy with with a rag that's soaked in beer on the end of a stick, and he throws it. And if he hits people, yeah, that's I mean, basically it. You throw it at people. <laughs> and if you uh, if you miss somebody, then you have to uh, drink like a bunch of beer. The flocker, they call it the flocker. So the these are games, not sports. I mean, well, I mean, they're like big events that they have. Well, yeah, over, competition overseas. Yeah. And, and there, has <laughs> anyone been called the LeBron James of the beer rag game? <laughs> <laughs> um, but he took his talents to South Beach. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. This next one's actually they do it in Switzerland. It's called Hor- Horn this is actually good because all of these so far have been in small villages in England. They really, where they're really, they really bored. Yeah, uh, this is spastic place card flailing. So it shows people <laughs> you have like gigantic uh, sticks with big cards on them. Okay, kind like of, picket signs. Like picket signs. Yes, you okay. look like a bunch of picketers out in out in the field with helmets on, <laughs> and then they have this like ramp. So it's kind where of a you mental illness and like this ball, rally. and you like hit it like a golf swing, and it says they can go up to two hundred miles per hour, hurling towards the people, and you want to hit, <laughs> you want to basically hit the things, and that's how you score points. The big signs. I wish I were born in some small European village. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wow. 
<laughs> you could die, basically. That's almost oh, like yeah, hot. people die. It's like, yeah, every time we play, three people die. <laughs> Natural selection. <laughs> That's okay. what people do the game. risk coming into this game. Uh, uh, number two on the list is ski bobbing, um, which they do in the Alps, and it's popular in the U.S., it says. And it, it's basically a bicycle, but the front wheel, the wheels have been replaced with skis. But there's really no way to stop, and like people go from the very top, <laughs> and they call it suicide ski ski biking is the name of it. But people do it for fun. That's and it like says, race car driving with no brakes. Yeah, exactly. And it says that the it, the person that uh, created it was an undertaker up in the Alps. <laughs> Isn't that so weird? he's trying to drum up business. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> business <Basically>. was slow. <laughs> he's like, I have a new game. New game. Hey, yeah. business has never been better. <laughs> and the number one is camel wrestling and it shows camels with their necks wrestling each other this is, is popular it, is it in camel turkey versus camels at human versus camel <laughs> camel versus camel oh. so sorry jesse okay so this is like cockfighting do you think yes, that would be like camels do you think then there's the michael vick of camel wrestling <laughs> <laughs> so okay but uh, is it like dog fights and, and cockfighting where one dies like does um, a camel die it says two male camels will slug it out these uh, their Tulu camels are specifically bred for this competition. They're sent into the ring with um, another camel to do battle over a hot camel babe in heat. <laughs> so they are trying to kill each so other. So they really are trying to kill each other. Oh, that's um, actually, let's see if they die. I know. So that's, you know, basically if you have some creative ideas, you really could uh, make a sport of it and get people. I mean, I these like are like annual things that people do. If you could add the word flocking. I think it automatically makes the game better. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, wouldn't basketball flocking be automatically more fun? Mm-hmm. <laughs> baseball flocking? Baseball flocking. Ooh, baseball flocking. That'd be way better than the normal baseball and all that, All it really involves <laughs> is people getting kicked really hard in the shin. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like, the bottom like of it, the night. It's basically normal versions of basketball and baseball, but there's like a guy like maybe dressed up like the Hamburglar that runs out and just kicks someone in the shin and runs away. No, no, no. I think, he's, I think he guards home plate. So everything's oh, yeah. Exactly yeah, the true. same, but you have to decide: is it worth the point yeah. for me to get clobbered in the shit? Well, and maybe, and maybe you—it's only during the eighth and ninth innings. Oh. This would also be a really good way to extend the careers of older baseball players who've gotten too fat to play, because they would be really good flockers. Right? They just stand there and flock you as you yeah. cross the plate. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or yeah, what if you just had like a gauntlet that was the third baseline? You <laughs> so know? you're, you're saying there's of, a whole like, bunch of a bunch of people, so it's like a, a cluster flock. And they just have various objects that won't seriously hurt you, but they would just sting really. Maybe like, like it's a, like it's a whole bats. line of guys with fly swatters. It's like wiffle ball bats and damp dish towels. <laughs> I like baseball flocking. I would watch that. Yeah. Oh, who wouldn't watch a guy run down the third baseline with yeah, with a bunch of baseball players with fly swatters <laughs> This reminds me of the MTV uh, uh, celebrity softball game where they would just... The Rock and Jock. The Rock and Jock tournament where they would randomly add things like the 10-point spot in the field and, you know, yeah. You know who dominated all of those was Bill Bellamy. That guy <laughs> yes. hit a 50-point basketball shot like nobody's business. It's true. You know? It's true. The one, the one that was like hanging from the ceiling. Bill Bellamy was all about that. <laughs> and you that, know, you know, he showed up to that gym like three days early because he didn't have much going on. It, it just would just drain those ten pointers. And Dan Cortez, I always associate oh, yeah. it with Dan Cortez and his it's bandana. Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg, right? Oh boy! All right. Well, on that note, we'll wrap up slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Windsor Drive. You're listening to John Legend and The Roots. The song is Wake Up Everybody. It's uh, featuring Common and Melanie Fiona. It's from that uh, Wake Up album that they did of early 60s 
soul uh, covers. It's, it's a phenomenal album. Anyway, the song uh, uh, Wake Up, Everybody, is playing right now on Relevant.fm. Windsor Drive is a band based in Houston. Their debut album called Meet the Tide was released back in 07, and their latest EP, Bridges, uh, released last year. They're actually right now working on a new full-length album. Uh, the band was profiled recently on E! News with Ryan Seacrest. Pretty cool. They came to our studios this week. Here is Windsor Drive performing Under the Weather. That was Windsor Drive. Check them out at windsordrivemusic.com. Come back, I'll be 
You're listening to Green River Ordinance. The song is On Your Own, playing right now on Relevant.fm and the videos on Relevant.tv. That was the one that we found on Noise Trade. The, the, the group we found on Noise Trade, really like them, and I think we're going to be profiling them in the magazine coming up. Very cool. Gabe Lyons is the author of The Next Christians, The Good News About the End of Christian America. He's also the founder of Q, uh, an event uh, aimed at mobilizing Christians to advance the common good in society. Um, he co-wrote a book that you might have heard of called Unchristian with Dave Kinnaman a couple of years ago. Uh, we thought the topic of The Next Christians was uh, pretty fitting with our magazine and audience, so we talked to him for the next issue. Uh, here is a little bit of the interview that our editorial director, Roxanne Weeman had with Gabe Lyons. Just to start, if you can kind of just tell us about who are these next Christians, why write about them, even just basics like demographics, psychographics, kind of what their, who their parents are, where they came from. Yeah, well, the next Christians I'm describing tend to be, you know, in their probably 25 to 45-year-old generation, some Gen X, some Gen Y, um, who essentially are are people who have, in many cases, grown up um, having some sort of a church experience, um, but in many cases left that experience dissatisfied with it. And dissatisfied with the integration of what their faith really meant to the rest of their life and the rest of their world. And as I write about in The Next Christians, um, what we're finding is that this generation is making that connection really viable again. And it's completely rejuvenating their faith. They're being inspired to go out and to use their gifts and their talents in a broken world to try to renew and restore things. They're finding deep meaning and purpose within that. Um, and they're sometimes misunderstood by their parents who might not see some of the, the same uh, you know, habits in their life, such as church attendance being very regular or some of the disciplines that they might have practiced in their own life, but they don't see them visible in their children's life. And, and um, these children are basically able to show their parents that they're, they're doing many of the same things, but they're just practicing it in a little bit of a different way. Um, and so they're still reading scripture. They're still deeply connected to God through prayer. Um, they're they're putting their hands to work though, and getting them dirty and rolling up their sleeves to try to do something in the world that helps help show the rest of the world a little bit about who God is um, and how He shows up in tangible, physical ways for those around us. The subtitle for your book is the good news about the end of Christian America. So um, why why do you think it's the end of Christian America and how are the next Christians a part of the good news about that? Yeah, well, the, the idea of Christian America in some ways being over um, is basically looking at our public square. I mean, it's, it's um, hard to argue the changes that have taken place over the last 50 years, really, at street level even, that have shown up from where Judeo-Christian values really seemed to hold court over the public square, and for Christians, you know, that was an assumed thing, and for much of society, it was just assumed that the, the idea of being Christian, in some ways, kind of would govern over all other beliefs and values for society, but in the last 50 years, that's completely changing, and now when we look at our culture, we can see that, that other faiths are being celebrated and lifted up in the public square. The idea of tolerance is one of the most celebrated attributes of a new generation. Um, we find, you know, even in the latest debates around Islam and Christianity, that there's a there's a discussion around religious liberty and the rights of other faiths to participate in the public square. Certain debates that really you wouldn't have heard about 30, 40 years ago. And so the, the America that many of our parents knew and that some of us grew up in is, is on this shift back to a pluralistic setting. And, you know, in that setting, that's new for Christians. And for a lot of Christians... They are lamenting that, lamenting that we're losing our culture, we're losing what was once a Judeo-Christian culture. And um, what I find in, the, in this next generation is an optimism in that environment. Instead of lamenting it, they're actually um, energized by the fact that we're in new pioneering territory for figuring out how the idea of being Christian, which isn't assumed as just the basis of society, but now we actually have to interact with the ideas of culture. We have to 
come on the scene and embody it in a way that people actually look at it and go, man, that makes sense. Um, and so it's actually creating an opportunity that, that might be a little stressful, might be a little harder for the body of Christ and for Christians to, to get entangled with, but it actually produces a much healthier, um, a much more substantive discussion and debate of, around ideas, of which I think the idea of being Christian um, in many ways becomes the, the winning thought because it's the only faith that can answer so many of what society's questions are when it's presented properly. In your book, you bring up six characteristics of this next Christian. Provoked, not offended. Creators, not critics. Called, not employed. Grounded, not distracted. In community, not alone. Countercultural, not relevant. Can you talk a little bit about each of these and why you think they're critical components of who the next Christian is? Yeah, I, th- I think um, when we, again, observe the new dynamics of the culture that we're in, that um, in, in past generations, there's been sort of an assumed way that we would approach this type of a world. And when we saw brokenness or corruption or sin or evil, um, that our response um, would have been some of the old ways of thinking about this that, that I actually think aren't as consistent with what Jesus lived and what he teaches um, as what we're describing here and seeing present in this next generation of Christian. Um, so the idea of the first one being provoked instead of offended, I mean, simply put, the next Christians are running towards the problems of our world. They're not offended by um, seeing sin or being around corruption or being confronted with some of the real evil and social injustices of the world. They actually are provoked to get involved, to get busy about the work of seeing that that solved. And and instead of just being exposed to it and being critics of it and, and suggesting that it's wrong and that it shouldn't exist, they actually start creating things that are better that actually start to meet the demands of of what the problem is that they've confronted. And so they're creators instead of critics. There's a few others, like the idea that these Christians are grounded instead of distracted, um, that they actually have practices in their life that that in the midst of this tumultuous culture that's always maybe shifting them from side to side, that they actually have an anchor in Christ through scripture reading, through prayer, through some of the old disciplines, as well as some new ones, that um, in, a, in the middle of this certain culture that we're in, where technology, for instance, reigns, we're finding a generation of Christians who are interested in being embodied and being present with the people that they're with, not constantly distracted by technology. Right. So um, these are just some of the, some of the different characteristics that aren't, aren't only ones that we've observed in the next Christians, but that for any Christian who's really trying to seek out what does faithfulness look like in the midst of the world we're in today in a post-Christian setting, where Christian ideals and values aren't just assumed, what does it look like to live that out? I think you'll find in these characteristics inspiration for how we each can can carry these out in our life. I do think it's it's easier for us um, in in this generation. It's easier for us to say, well, look at how it was done in in the early in the early church or in this the reformation or however many hundreds of years ago and harder to see what was good about what our parents did um so i guess how can we as we're trying to redefine or or define what christianity looks like today in this culture how can we partner with our parents and our grandparents who are still alive and and sort of do this together and not just do it our own way yeah, that's a great question, and I think um, I have a grandmother who's 86 who prays for me every day. Um, I have parents who actually daily read scripture and pray for for um, all kinds of needs as well as for me, our family, uh, by name. And I think those are the kind of practices that um, you know, generation after generation, we can't give up on. And I think for some, in a in a in, in the midst of a new time and a new generation, there can be this tendency to try to throw out some of these amazing practices and disciplines that have not only been a part of individual practice, but even church practice um, in the search for what's new, what's the latest trend, what's the coolest way that we can try to connect with an audience. And I absolutely um, am against that. I think we have to fight hard to remain deeply tied to Christ through Scripture, through our participation in communion with Him, through prayer, um, through so many of the disciplines that I think the previous generation um, has gotten really right and, and has understood that without this anchoring to Christ, um, we have nothing. And so I think to, to not lose that, but yet also 
wrestle through what does it look like to apply that? What does it look like to apply the love of Jesus to my friends, to my neighbors, to people who are very different than me, with different beliefs than I? Um, is it one that, that should inspire us to separate and be different than them in the way that we create our own culture or create our own language to talk about these ideas? Or does it force us to be provoked to really learn how to engage and take this, this truth that they're really seeking and find ways to help them see it and to help them understand it, um, which I think largely will come through relationship. And I think that's something that this generation gets in a way that maybe a few previous generations hasn't. And, and part of it's generationally when we were born and how we think about relationship. But the idea of being open and honest and authentic with one another, being able to sit down across a table and a cup of coffee in hand and have a great conversation about what we're really wrestling with in life. I mean, those are some of the things that a World War II generation or a baby boomer, baby boomer generation, you know, it didn't come as easy for them. Right. And so I think we also can look at some of those advantages and say, how do we apply what the generation before us practiced how do we apply practicing that and it might look a little different than they practiced it but nothing changed about the truth of what we were trying to practice that was Gabe Lyons make sure to check out his new book called The Next Christians at bookstores everywhere listening to Brooke Frazier. The song is Something in the Water, which is playing right now on Relevant.fm and the videos on Relevant.tv. Man, got a lot of double ones this week. It's good stuff. Um, Windsor Drive is out on a national tour right now with May, which is why they came through um, last week. Uh, you can check out all their music uh, and tour dates at WindsorDriveMusic.com. Here they are performing Fall. But 
Was Windsor Drive. Check him out at windsordrivemusic.com. You're listening to Villagers. The song is That Day. It's playing right now on Relevant.fm and the video's on Relevant.tv. Okay, it's time for your feedback. Last week we asked you, uh, if you were given the opportunity, what main characters in iconic movies would you like to go back and recast? You went over to the podcast episode page at RelevantMagazine.com and posted your replies there. And here's a few of them. Well, I, I like Stephen Brown's because this would actually be interesting. Take every role that Nicolas Cage has ever been in and put Christian Bale in and see how much better the movie gets. I agree. With Knowing you. would not be better. Knowing would be much worse. I even with even with Christian Bale. Knowing is awesome the way it is. I I haven't seen that, <laughs> I even but know. I cannot stand Nicolas Cage I in any either. movie. And I, it's because of his teeth. teeth. See, I just can't stand him because he's a terrible actor. They to me, he is the Savage Garden of acting. Mm. I mean, as much as I loathe Savage Garden as a band, I loathe Nicolas Cage as an actor. It's true. I feel like I don't think Christian Bale knows how to have fun. Right. So I don't think any of as we saw in an internet clip last year. (laughs) So I don't know if any of Nicolas like I don't think The Rock would be better with Christian Bale because that movie's ridiculous and needs someone like Nicolas Cage or like Con Air. Yeah. Oh, See, Con Air was the last Nicolas Cage movie I ever saw. I yeah. love Con Air. Uh, that southern awful. accent in Con Air. Yeah, the southern accent's amazing because it goes away <laughs> and then comes back. Well, actually, it's so good. I stand corrected. It wasn't Con Air. It was Face Off with John Travolta. Oh, that was oh. horrible. Oh. Horrible. I'm done. But, he's John, but John Travolta as well. Oh, yeah. He's, well, he's just yeah. bad. If you're he's in number a movie two with for John Travolta, yeah. your Any career's movie. over. Yeah. Well, look at old dogs. I mean, <laughs> right. Yeah. Can you imagine Christian Bale doing National Treasure, though? Yeah, that's true. He it needs to have hard. a... I did see the National Treasure. Yeah. yeah. It, it, that's like a... Brendan Fraser could have done that. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. He would call. Mm. Yeah. Nice. What about Christian Bale in The Mummy? Or Nicolas Cage in The Mummy? <laughs> 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 or Savage Garden in The Mummy? <laughs> uh, Max um, Harnish... Ferger. Yeah. <laughs> Flugan. <laughs> it's a, Flugan. He's a flocker. Um, he says Harrison Ford and Tom Selleck should switch places. He says Ford, uh, Tom, Harrison Ford would uh, do Magnum P.I. And Tom Selleck could be uh, Indiana Jones. That's false. C- can, no? can I no. just say I- any actor should be replaced by Tom Selleck? Oh, <laughs> he's not that bad. No, no, I'm saying I think he'd be great in anything. That mustache would give some oh, serious authority gotcha. some roles. Han Solo does not have a mustache. <laughs> 
Can you imagine Harrison Ford being Monica's boyfriend on Friends? <laughs> <laughs> that is Tom Selleck's most iconic role. <laughs> that is. That's what we know for, man. Uh, Ian says he would choose to recast Kevin Bacon and Footloose. Uh, I mean, come on, he's white and can't dance. Of course, by that logic, you'd have to recast the entire cast, and it would just become Stomp the Church, the prequel to Stomp the Yard. He said, <laughs> so were, so were there should any we have af- Nick Cannon replace Kevin Bacon and Footloose? Oh, that'd be interesting. Um, but he, earlier in his very long reply, he, he says, I, I'm beginning to think you guys skim-read everything. Um, and he pointed out several instances of us getting the comments wrong when we're reading. <laughs> Absolutely, we skim likely. read them. I mean, come on, what are you thinking? We're reading this live while we're recording. Sorry if we have factual errors. This isn't related to like our fans' feedback, but this is like the same topic. Like, did you ever read Bill Simmons' extended column on how much better The Godfather Three would be if they replaced uh, Sofia Coppola with pretty much anyone? Anyone. Like he's saying what what his suggestion is, is I actually think this is a great idea, is what they should do is go back and recut the entire movie and just have Natalie Portman do all of her scenes and then then put it back together. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Confessional. Love mafia movies. Mm -hmm. Love The Sopranos. Never seen any of The Godfathers. Really? Yeah. And it was because I need to start from the beginning and yeah. watch all three. And no, I mean, this was 25 years ago. Nobody wants to do that with right. me. So, and then oh. I don't want to spend seven hours just sitting in a room watching stuff by myself. Well, can, can, can I, can I, inter- I, I know this is going to, a lot of people are going to look down on me for this. I was on the plane, uh, you know, I went to Nepal recently. So it was a very long plane ride from New York to India. Mm-hmm. And they had this little video player on the back of the seats where you could have this whole catalog of movies and all three Godfathers were on there. I was thinking, this is great. I got 12 hours to kill. I'm going to watch the trilogy. I got an hour and a half into the first one. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, it's unbelievable how much cinema has changed (laughs) because it is so insanely slow. Yeah. Hmm. That you watch for an hour and a half, and you're like, "Kick me in the Come shins!" On, you know, <laughs> I gotta like, say, I, seriously, I can't sit through seven more hours. Of <laughs> I think the first one, the first one holds up really well for me. The second one, I like. I know it's a really good movie, but it's so slow that it's hard for me to hard for me to make it the, all the, the way. The first through. scene, okay, the first scene at the wedding. Yeah. is like 45 minutes yeah. and not a whole lot happens. No. Everything that happened at the initial wedding could have been condensed down to five. <laughs> but it's so good. Like the whole like offer and everything. And I mean, it's granted, it's not as quick as like Goodfellas or something. And then I, I watched, I watched Deer Hunter. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was a few years back. It's a good band. Uh, it is. Yeah. Well, well, and everyone talks about how great the movie is. And again, it starts with an hour-long wedding scene. <laughs> you <laughs> like hate extended dances at the reception. You know, it's just. I'm thinking, let's get to Vietnam here. Let's see De Niro burn down a village, and I'm sitting there watching, uh, you know, Mazel Tov for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse, you I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know people are gonna be like, "Oh, you know, you don't have any." My grandpa for was in that movie. <laughs> yeah. You would have hated. Um, I just I saw the town pretty recently, so like was yeah. kind of like, oh yeah, I forgot how much I like mafia movies. So I rented um, Once Upon a Time in America, which is like this movie from the eighties that like it's three hours and fifty minutes long. It's ridiculous. Who directed that? Scorsese? No, it's uh, Sergio Leone. He's oh. an Italian director. Anyway, the movie's okay. That's way too much nudity, but um, it was. But it was just like. This makes The Godfather seem like a sitcom. Like, mm. it was so long. And they just had... All, like, I was thinking about it later, and I was like, that entire scene could have just been gone, and the movie would have been fine. Yeah. yeah it's like, do I need to watch all the protagonists that are in the film later perform a 10 minutes dance at the <laughs> wedding in Deer Hunter? Seriously. You know? Like, you could have... Condi- I get it. They're close friends. Okay? I get that. They're going to go to Nam together. Got it. Let's do it. <laughs> Russian roulette with Christopher Walken. Come on. I'm waiting. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy okay well that'll do it for your feedback uh here's this week's question editorial question of the week okay so earlier in the podcast maya regaled us with a tale of <laughs> she found the eight strangest sports yeah, i, th- I think longtime listeners knew the second you brought that slice that it would probably reappear as the question of the week <laughs> uh, so we want to know from you uh we want you to make up sports or games as well um and kind of in line with the types of strange ones that are actually real so so making it plausible enough 
that people in a small town in England would want to play it. Right. Or if you know some even. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's many more out there. That's true. Yeah, I, I, I vote that, that if, if it does involve shin kicking and trampolines, that uh, it will be read first by me. It's true. And uh, if it includes the word flocking, it automatically gets some flocking. additional points. Nice. But and be careful if it involves a gauntlet, a fly swatter, <laughs> uh, wet dish towels, and wiffle ball bats. Yeah, we should, well, frankly, it'll probably any, also be read. Any gauntlet, really. Yeah. I mean, yeah. any gauntlet. With former true. baseball professionals. <laughs> <laughs> I would just With love. Former sluggers from the steroid era. I would be really excited to see the Bash brothers of Mark McGuire and Jose Conseco <laughs> in a gauntlet. Holding wiffle <laughs> ball bats. That'd be amazing. Yeah. I think that's called American Gladiator. <laughs> yeah, basically, okay, isn't that what we're ends. asking for? Here's how my, whatever sport it is, here's how it ends. Okay, you have a gauntlet of like Barry Bonds, the Bash Brothers, um, you know, uh, uh, Dante Bouchette, all the sluggers from the, from the Sammy 90s. Sosa. Yeah. And you know those two really overweight twins in the back of the Guinness Book of World Records on the motorcycle? Yes. <laughs> they have to ride through that gauntlet. <laughs> no matter who wins or loses, that just happens at the end of the game. It's really inconsequential, See, but until, everyone gets to watch. Until you threw the twins in there, you were describing American Gladiators. True. I mean, that's what you were yeah, doing. but they're on those tiny motorcycles. Everyone doing, knows what I'm talking about. Doing you know? the course of American Gladiators. That's it. They yeah, have to yeah. drive around yeah. obstacles. It'd be, yeah, it'd be great if those twins from the back of the Guinness Book of World Records on tiny motorcycles are in your sport engine. <laughs> Jesse, I like that most of your sports ideas probably can only be played once by any person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because if they win, they will be so injured they can no longer compete. Well, uh, the, ones that, outlawed. the ones that she was talking about, I kind of got the sense that it was like an annual festival right. or is. something. So, I mean, Jesse's would fall in line with that. True. You could you could recover and yeah. come Remember, back. There is, there, if you have a year, you might recover. <laughs> there really is one in Scotland called like the wife carrying competition. Yeah, I think they've seen that on ESPN That's a couple crazy. times. That's crazy. Midget bowling. That's real. Really? Yeah. No. Yeah. And it's like in Australia or something. Huh. No, in fact, I'm Should pretty sure it's in Australia. Bowling? Well, they call it midget bowling okay. in Australia. They're they're less couth. Mm. Over there. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but even like the logger games and stuff. I yeah, mean, think about it. True. Throw a log. Yeah. I mean, that's like, that's real. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it's televised. Yeah, it, 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 it any, <laughs> any sport that involves a potentially devastating back injury <laughs> is going to be good. I mean, how did, how did like a log floating in water, two guys getting up on it and trying to run around Do you become a televised event? Right. Does ESPN, like I remember when I was in college, like that was when the outdoor games got huge, yeah. and they were trying to make it like the next big thing. Right. I well, think it's still aired, but yeah, no, they. I think they still you do see it. it every so often. Yeah, it's on ESPN Eight, the Ocho. Yeah, <laughs> really, they just needed. They, I think honestly, all they needed, uh, they were just like, we need to get Home Depot as a sponsor. What can we do? Yeah, they're like chainsawing stuff, yeah. and yeah. Do you remember yeah. when ESPN like it used to be on Saturdays that weren't college football? The only other option they had to put on TV was World Strongest Man competitions. Oh yeah, and they got progressively more over the top. Like, all right, let's see what this. Uh, uh, you know, guy who's dedicated his whole life to powerlifting can do uh, towing a fire truck by his teeth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just remember watching those and being like, I never want to go to Finland because <laughs> all of those people are crazy strong. The, the, like the saddest would be like they go through and they have to like throw all these things and lift all these things and move all these things like a course. Yeah. And they come up to the very end and it's usually like throwing a, you know, 400 pound ball over a like a, oh, yeah. you know, like a, a, really high... a bar or something. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? And like and those guys who just couldn't quite <laughs> get it over the bar. You know what I mean? And like that's... it was just so devastating. That wasn't. And it's they like keep a big trying, and every and time like, they've boom. lost strength. It was a keg. Yeah. One yeah, did a keg, like, like a keg, keg throwing. <laughs> and that was always the last thing is throwing a keg over a bar. Uh, yeah, or the one me. that it's yeah i love the massive ball because not only is it insanely heavy it's very very hard to grip you know yeah. the only thing it would be better if they oiled those things up <laughs> <laughs> did the whole course in oil <laughs> yeah and, and they perform and they do it on ice <laughs> <laughs> see so okay the bar has been set pretty high with things that already exist and yeah. are on tv so you're gonna have to think really long and hard to come up with a plausible competition that that maybe we should if there's something that's really good like we should try and do it. 
Oh. I'm not putting a ferret on my pants. Yeah, I'm not and I'm not well. I'm not getting kicked in the shin. We so. decide if it's good or not. Yeah. So. Okay. All right, maybe. All right, we're open minded. Challenge us to a sport or a game. You know, we used to do relevant relevant games. The relevant days, games. And I stopped because it got way too competitive. It's way too competitive. Yeah, but terrible. if we're gonna you kick know, each other in the shin, why that not? It might actually be kind of fun. <laughs> it actually might. Yeah, actually, okay, so we're open minded. Maybe we'll do your maybe. game. All right. If it's good enough. So go over to this week's podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com and post your uh, replies there. Um, if you want to call into our hotline, it's 407 660 1411, extension 126. And you can, uh, we'll, we'll play your reply on the air next week. Well, on that note, we'll wrap it up. Many thanks to Windsor Drive for coming through. You can check them out at windsordrivemusic.com. Make sure to uh, pick up their latest EP. It's called Bridges, it's available everywhere. Also, thanks to Gabe Lyons for talking to us. His new book is called The Next Christians, The Good News About the End of Christian America. And that book is available everywhere. In fact, I saw it on the front table of a bookstore the other day. It's good cool. for him. Yeah. So check that out. On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Maya Strang. I'm Ryan Ham. I'm Jesse Carey. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Relevant Podcast. For more, go to relevantmagazine.com. She wants me, she'll swim for it. If you're a competitive shin kicker, I'm sure you have a cane. <laughs>